360 degrees. High high, 360 degrees. High high, 306, 306, 360 degrees. High high. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by members of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. This show is written, produced, and broadcasting live from Huchin, occupied Ohlone territory, known to settlers as the Bay Area. This week, radio drama returns to the KPFA airways with a collaboration between the Drama Factory and the KPFA Apprenticeship Program. On tonight's show, we'll listen to a radio drama adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart, produced by the Drama Factory and First Voice Apprentices. And we'll have an interview with the founders of the Drama Factory and their free theater production training program in Antioch. All that tonight on this episode of Full Circle. I'm your host tonight, Free Will and Franklin. Stay tuned. Good evening, everyone, and again, welcome to Full Circle right here on KPFA Radio, the flagship station of the Pacifica Network. Tonight, we are excited to bring radio drama back to the KPFA airwaves. As the dedicated KPFA listeners may remember, KPFA featured radio drama every Sunday evening with L.A. Theater Works' The Play is the Thing, as well as other theatrical productions. And of course, we are very thankful that we still have Twitwit Radio holding it down on Sundays with the hard-hitting satire that is today's news and politics. But tonight, we bring back the drama with the new collaboration between KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program and the Drama Factory of Antioch. Like First Voice, the Drama Factory is a free community-based program but instead of teaching radio skills, they teach acting and theater production. And tonight, we'll feature their first radio production right here on Full Circle with their adaptation of The Telltale Heart. And stick around after the performance to learn about the Drama Factory's free program available to community members. But now, on with the show. Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart has chilled and fascinated readers since its publication in 1843. One of its draws is that its vagueness requires the reader to fill in the blanks. Who were these men? What was their relationship to each other? And why was murder preferable to another alternative? The answers are as finite as the imagination. Set at the time of its publication on the New England seaboard, we present the Drama Factory's original adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. It is impossible to say how the idea first entered my brain. But once conceived, it haunted me day and night. Object, there was none. Passion, there was none. I loved the old man, and he had never wronged me. He had never given me insult. For his gold, I had no desire. 
I think it was his eye. Yes, it was this. One of his eyes resembled that of a vulture, a pale blue with a film over it. Whenever it fell on me, my blood ran cold. And so, by degrees, very gradually, I made up my mind to take the life of the old man and thus rid myself of the eye forever. said he'll be coming home soon. That's why I've been getting his house cleaned. I don't know that he'll be ready to take lodgers right away, and for the life of me, I don't know who would move in other than sailors after what happened. But people will forget about it soon enough, I suppose. Now, you ragamuffins, don't be disturbing Mr. Perry when he gets home. He needs peace and quiet, do you hear? Yes, ma'am. Good. You behave now. She's here! She's here! She's just come in! Who? Who's here? It's not a who. It's a ship. I was just at the docks, and the free and easy has just come in. What's so special about the free and easy? The cargo? Is there sweets? Toys? Don't you know anything? That's the ship with the evil eye. The evil eye? Yeah, the first mate on the free and easy has the evil eye. Every ship he's ever sailed on has been cursed. Cursed? Every ship he's ever been on has either sank or had to be rescued. Even ships that cross the evil eye are doomed. My father says that ill winds and hurricanes follow the evil eye like a lost dog. And even pirates won't chase the free and easy. Why not? Because they know if the evil eye falls on their sails, they'll be blown off course. Or they'll lose the wind and drift the seas forever. Here he comes! Look out! Evil eye, evil eye, look away before you die! Yeah! <laughs> Popkins? Perry! What are you doing on dry land, you old sea snake? As you see, laddie. Nothing more. Huh. When did you put in? Only this very moment, lad. Only this very moment. Say, what happened to the leg, boy? Ah, this. An accident a little more than a month ago. In fact, I've just now left the hospital. Ah, that's unfortunate, laddie. A month, eh? Why so long? Well, there were some... complications. Doctor said I was lucky to keep it at all. Indeed, indeed. That aside, you're looking well, boy. Say, Perry, I'm lucky to have run into you. Lucky? Well, it's like I said, I've just put in, and I haven't had any luck finding lodgings. You wouldn't happen to have an empty cot to let now, would you, laddie? Of course. You see, the trouble is, we won't be paid until she's unloaded. A day or two is all. Not to worry, my friend. There's room. (laughs) Fine, son, fine. Well, come along. I'm sure you've got plenty to tell after such a long time. Aye, lad. Plenty to tell. Blood curdling. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're a slippery one, Perry. No doubt about that. The crew mainly played checkers or jack in the barrel. A fine crew, but not thinking men, you see. A Captain Block, though. Now, he's a clever man and a worthy opponent, but we seldom got the chance to play. Let's see now. There. It's your move, laddie. And remember, I've got my eye on you. <laughs> Interesting. Knight takes queen and checkmate. <laughs> the evil eye strikes again. <laughs> Is that cheating? Cheating? I don't think so. No rules broken, laddie. No rules broken. <laughs> uh, I suppose not. It's good to see you, Hopkins. A couple of years at sea has done you good. I wish I, I had something to offer you, but there's nothing in the house. Well then, maybe you can help ease an old man's burden, son. Well, what have you got there? Sherry. Sherry? Amontillado, my boy, Amontillado. Amontillado? Then... You were at Spain. I, Spain, Portugal, North Africa, and the Mediterranean. Ah, and the senoritas? Aye. <laughs> when they saw my eye patch in Tarifa, they all called me Capitan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so tell me, how was your voyage? Smooth sailing? Far from, laddie. Far from. Oh? There are foul winds blowing across the face of the earth, laddie. Foul enough to drive an old barnacle like me onto terra firma. What happened? What didn't? When we first set out, we were just out of Boston Harbor when we came to the aid of the Lady Anne. I read about the Lady Anne in the Post. Terrible tragedy. No survivors. Not a one. We saw some sailors on the rigging, so we went over in the rescue boats. When we got close to her... We could see that the men were dead, stuck to the ropes by the freezing spray. Good heavens. Then, three days out of Gibraltar, bound for Algiers, a violent gale came up like Poseidon himself and battered us about. Lost one of the men overboard. Well, we searched and searched for him, but nothing. Then, after dark, I spotted a signal flare off our starboard side. We turned about and headed for her, hoping they had found our man. Spanish ship. But by the time we reached her location, she'd already gone down, save for a lifeboat with only four crewmen aboard. Captain went down with the vessel. We managed to get them a rope, and we had them right up against us, Fingers almost touching when they saw this eye pulling the lifeline. They let go the line and started rowing back into the storm. We lost them in the waves, superstitious fools. All hands lost. This wine really warms the blood, eh, Perry? Indeed. Especially after having it chilled. Yep. They were as good as saved, but they let go the line. That defies instinct, my boy. That's superstition. If a sailor heeded every maritime taboo, he'd never leave the dock for the deck. Well, it's about time I turn in. Long day tomorrow. Thanks for keeping an old man entertained. Good night, Perry. Good night.
stroke of luck meeting up with Hopkins like that. Nice not to be alone. Maybe after all that misery at sea, his luck is changing too. Lady Anne. And those Spaniards drowned in the sea by fairy tales. All hands lost. Incredible. Superstition. <laughs> Best not to believe in such things. I say. All right. I'm all right. Uh, a dream. That's all. Just, just a dream. The wine. <laughs> That's it. Too much wine. Just, just too much wine. Algiers for some time while the repairs were being made. Ever been to the sunnier climes, laddie? I can't say that I have. Ah, oh, fascinating place, fascinating place. Exotic, laddie. The spices, the colors, the noise. It makes the greenhorns dizzy. Veiled women, camels, and snake charmers. My kind of place. But after repairs, we set back out. Then, about three weeks later, we aided a frigate in a rescue attempt of a big East Indiaman, a 1,900-ton troopship, the Kent. Some damn fool officer dropped a lamp onto a spilled keg of whiskey. The captain ordered the lower deck flooded for fear the fire would touch off the powder magazines amidship. We were able to pull off most of the women and children. Women and children? Aye. Many of the officers were bound for their posts in India and China and had their families aboard. Oh, my God. The two ships took on as many as we could, and that was considerable. Both ships sat low in the water, heavy with evacuees. As we pulled away from the Kent, she listed and started to sink. About 40 sailors clambered up the rigging to escape the flames in the sea. And that's about the time the fire found the magazine. Five hundred kegs of powder all at once. Boom! Blew a crater in the sea, if you can imagine that. By some miracle, 17 of the sailors on the rigging survived the blast. We found them clinging to the mizzen mast. We were able to save about 500, laddie. But near a hundred souls were lost. Horrible. Just horrible. Aye, very sad. Very sad indeed. Sometimes the seas are mighty unforgiving, laddie. But that's a sailor's life now, isn't it? If you say so. I do. Well, I'm off to bed, son. Thanks for listening to an old sailor's tales, laddie. Pleasant dreams. Ship after ship. All those people lost. 
widowed and, and orphaned. Coincidence. Like he said, the seas are unforgiving. There is no such thing as the evil eye. Only fools and heathens entertain such beliefs. Evil eye indeed. Hang the lot of them. midnight, I turned the latch of his door and opened it, oh, so gently. And then, when I had made an opening sufficient for my head, I thrust it in. Asleep. Fast asleep. Am I such a child that an old man's tall tales can give me these terrors? No such thing as the evil eye, I say. Just the the wild imagination of sailors and children. Evil eye. Balderdash. <sighs> Perry? I'm off to the paymaster for my wages, boy. Now I'll be able to earn my keep around here instead of imposing on your hospitality. It's no trouble. No trouble at all. After that, I'll make my way to the staghead for a pint or two with my shipmates and give the innkeeper his share. Tonight I'll treat us to a fine feast. That's fine, Hopkins. Fine. Then I'll see you tonight, laddie. Tonight, then. <sighs> Evil eye. It's open. Come in. A Annabelle. I've come for the washing, sir. Oh, the washing. You look afraid, Mr. Perry. What has happened? Happened? Oh, uh, Mr. Hopkins has returned unexpectedly. And I haven't slept well at all the last couple of nights. I wouldn't be able to sleep myself. What do you mean? I mean him. Mr. Hopkins. The evil eye. Oh, come now, Annabelle. You don't mean to tell me you believe in that nonsense, do you? I do. And it isn't nonsense, Mr. Perry. I've heard tell from the old midwife of children born in this very town, mind you, with crooked backs and the feet of gulls because their mothers had the evil eye put on them or they witnessed something bloody or wicked when they were with child. The mothers swaddle the babies in heavy cloth and throw them into the sea rather than have them become evil creatures and go to hell. Creatures like your Mr. Hopkins. That is simply the idle talk of ignorant and superstitious women. 
Gold speech indeed. You can't believe that, Annabelle. So it's ignorant and superstitious I am, am I? <sighs> That's not what I meant. No? What then? Please, Annabelle. Won't you walk along the shore with me this morning? <laughs> I'll not be walking alone with any man who would keep the evil eye under his very roof. I'll not have the wicked thing fall on me. But none of that is true! It's all hogwash, I tell you. Hogwash! Hogwash, is it? Just look at yourself, Mr. Perry. I would swear that the wicked thing has indeed fallen on you. Good day to you, Mr. Perry. Annabelle, please wait. Let me explain. Unhand me, sir. I said good day. Go on, then, you stupid peasant. Your ignorance is deadlier than any I. Wait! I'm sorry. What has come over me? The doctor said I was ready to come home. No sleep. There it is. No sleep, too much wine, and Hopkins and his damned horror stories. That's all. I must try to rest. Just a little nap, and I'll be as right as rain. High winds blew us onto the shoals. The captain kept her afloat best he could, but a gigantic wave came over us and ripped the lifeboats away. We were rescued by some fishermen who were brave enough to row out to us. But she broke up, and of the 116 passengers and crew, only 32 were saved, including myself. 84 souls lost. They found the bodies washing up along the coast for a month. Must have been that I. Come again, lad? Uh, enough to make you cry. Yes, sir. In all my years at sea, I've seen more than my share of bad luck, laddie. That's why I'll be dry docked for a spell. Dry docked? Aye. There are some loose ends that need tying up, and I haven't seen my sister in the country for ages. Uh, you can't take the salt from the sea forever, lad. But there are a couple of things that need tending before I stow my chest in Davy's locker. Besides, you look like it used the company. You haven't touched your food, boy. Aren't you hungry? No. My stomach is a bit upset. Lost my appetite. Oh, now. That's a pity, son, a pity. Well, if you're not going to... Uh, you don't mind if I... Be my guest. <laughs> Thank you, laddie. Well, it's been a long day. Think I'll get some shut-eye. Shut-eye? Yes. You look tired, Perry. Try and get some sleep. Dry dock. Mm-hmm. Eighty-four souls lost. How many souls has that vulture's eye seen disappear into the deep? Watching like a half-blind crow, listening to the wails of panic and despair. Is it superstition? 
Or is it that devil eye like a millstone around the neck of all who catch its cold, dead glance? Get some sleep. Does that hideous eye ever sleep? Does it make poor old Hopkins do its evil bidding, forcing mothers to commit their unfortunate children to the tide? Does the eye sleep? Or does it lie there, watching, looking, staring into the blackness, dreaming of when Hopkins will wake and carry it over the seas and through the wide world? And now, it has lodged itself here, with the old man for its machine. It must be Providence. Yes, Providence. If I have been chosen to look into the pale blue portal of hell, I will save the old man, the world, and myself from the devil's eye forever. His room was as black as pitch with the thick darkness, and so I knew that he could not see the opening of the door. I had my head in and was about to open the lantern when my thumb slipped upon the tin fastening and the old man sprang up in the bed crying out, Who's there? Perry? Damn your eye! And so the final hour has struck. <laughs> it's all over now, laddie. All over now. And good riddance to that cursed oracle. The night is waning. I must work quickly. The night waned, and I worked hastily, but in silence. First of all, I dismembered the corpse. I cut off the head and the arms and the legs. There was nothing to wash out, no stain of any kind, no blood spot whatever. I had been too wary for that. The tub had caught all. <laughs> I then took up three planks from the flooring of the chamber and deposited all between the scantlings. I then replaced the boards so cleverly, so cunningly, that no human eye, not even his, could have detected anything wrong. Four o'clock in the morning. Who could it possibly be? Just a moment, please. Hello. Mr. Perry? Yes? My name is Lieutenant Inspector Williams. May we come in, sir? Yes. Please, do come in, gentlemen. Mr. Perry, this is Inspector Green and Constable O'Reilly. Good morning, gentlemen. What can I do for you? Sorry to disturb you at this hour, sir, but we've had a complaint. A complaint? 
That's right, sir. A complaint from a neighbor about a noise, sir. A noise? What sort of noise? Frankly, a scream, sir. A man screaming. A man scream? <laughs> oh, of course. Well, you see, gentlemen, this is a trifle embarrassing, I admit. Go on, sir. Well, you see, gentlemen, I had my supper quite late last night, and I'm afraid it had given me indigestion nightmares from which I awoke with a start, but I can't imagine it would have been loud enough to wake anyone but myself. That's why I'm still awake at this hour. A bit of heartburn, that's all. Well, sir, it was loud enough, sir, to send this neighbor to the station house in the wee small hours of the morning to lodge a complaint. Loud enough for the neighbor to suspect foul play. Foul play? An hysteric, I'm sure, Mr. Perry. But we are compelled to look into each complaint lodged. I know you understand. Of course, gentlemen, of course. Well, as you can see, I'm, I'm quite alive. Yes, sir. Do you live alone here, sir? Yes. Well, no. That is, I occasionally let a room to a lodger. Sailors, mainly. I see, sir. So there is no one other than yourself residing here presently? There is someone letting a room now, but he isn't home at present. I see. What's the gentleman's name, sir? Uh, Hopkins. Mr. Arnold Hopkins. Mr. Arnold Hopkins. Occupation sailor? That's correct. Do you happen to know the present whereabouts of Mr. Hopkins, Mr. Perry? Mm, not exactly. But he had said just this morning how he intended to pay a visit to his sister in the country. And do you know the name of his sister, sir? Ah, uh, I'm afraid I don't, Inspector. He didn't even mention where in the country she lives. I see. Would you mind terribly if we inspect Mr. Hopkins' quarters, Mr. Perry? Not at all, Lieutenant. <laughs> inspect the entire house, if you wish. Thank you, sir. Have you resided here for very long, Mr. Perry? Mm, close to five years now. Rather large tub. Yes, I've recently had to dismiss the laundress. Difficult to get good help in this district. Mm, rather. What is the name of your former laundress, sir? Lee. Miss Annabelle Lee. Annabelle Lee. Laundress. This is Mr. Hopkins' room, gentlemen. As you can see, it's... It's tidy enough. Everything is in its place. His belongings, his money, his bed neatly made. Apparently, he doesn't intend to be away for very long. So it would seem. Please, sit down, gentlemen. Let me get you some chairs. You must be fatigued from following complaints at all hours through the night. Thank you, Mr. Perry. But you know, that's when we are the busiest. Crime is a condition of the night. Most of our more sensational cases are perpetrated after dark. The cloak of darkness. When the world sleeps and all that. I can imagine. Oh, yes. Just as in the case of the uh, Midnight Strangler. Ah. Uh. The Midnight Strangler? By day, the murderer was a well-liked employee of a prestigious bank. 
But during the full moon, he haunted the waterfront taverns for his lady victims. We could never get any evidence or witnesses against the killer. But one day, he calmly strolled into the station house and, matter-of-factly, gave us all of the details of each of the four murders. A regular Jack the Ripper. Conscience got the better of him, I suppose. <laughs> it was the end of a rope that got the better of him. <laughs> oh. Well, like the old saying goes, give them enough rope and they'll hang themselves. Quite all right, Mr. Perry. Hmm? What? Oh, yes, quite all right. Uh, the indigestion. Oh, yes. Post-offense behavior gets them every time. Once they've done the deed, they start doing things differently. Avoiding places they would frequent, people they would socialize with, until finally their absence and evasive actions point directly to them. Nonsense. What about all the crimes that go unsolved? Maybe those crimes were a relief to their perpetrators. Maybe for a short while, sir. But eventually they will confide or boast about what they have done, expressing a deep, secret desire to pay for the crimes they have committed. Again, a guilty conscience. Uh, you sound like the doctor. Doctor? And that still leaves out the unsolved. Those sometimes have a way of working themselves out, sir. There was the case of a man who poisoned his sick wife. We knew he had killed her, but again, we lacked sufficient evidence for an arrest. But we knew. We simply made ourselves a presence to him for a couple of months, hoping he would break down. And did he break down? He did, but not to us. He took a nightcap of the same poison he gave his wife, and the case remains officially unsolved. Do you gentlemen hear a noise? No, sir. Nothing but ourselves. Can you describe the noise, sir? Oh, I don't know. A dull thumping. Rats, perhaps? Even as close as we are to the docks, I can assure you, sir, that there are no rats in this house. Then perhaps you have beetles in the walls. What? Beetles? Death Watch beetles, sir. They live, sir, in the walls of old houses like this one. It is said, sir, that the little tapping noise they make foretells a death in the house. Preposterous. I think maybe I do hear something. What about you, Lieutenant? You know, Constable, I think for once you're right. <laughs> <laughs> All right! Again, thank you for joining us. We hope you have enjoyed the Drama Factory's original adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe's The Telltale Heart. The players are Samantha Pitzer, Olivia Pitzer, Savannah Turnage, Lawrence Raleigh, Dick Winchester, Daniel Knight, 
Lee Ballesteros, and Douglas Benson. The music was Celestial Harmonies and was performed by Roger Woodward on the piano. The Drama Factory would like to thank audio specialist Kay Carter, Frank Sterling, and Miss M, as well as the KPFA First Voice Apprenticeship Program for making this recording possible. Again, thank you for listening, and until next time, good night. Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to Full Circle right here in occupied Huchin, a.k.a. the Bay Area. And yes, that was our collaboration with the Drama Factory, a 501c3 organization out of Antioch, deep in East Contra Costa County. Again, a big shout out and thank you to our own Miss M and Kay Carter for holding down the audio engineering on location at the Nick Rodriguez Community Theater in downtown Antioch. Now, as we mentioned earlier, the Drama Factory is a theater production company in Antioch that engages in free community theater production. All one has to do is have the will and be available for rehearsals and training, and you too can be part of their next production that's coming in early 2019. To share with you more about the Drama Factory and their program, I sat down with the founders at their home in downtown Antioch. All right, welcome. This is B. Roland Franklin, and I'm here with John and Lee Ballesteros, creators and founders of the Drama Factory, which is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. And what they do is similar to what we do here at First Voice Apprenticeship Program, in that they invite community members to come learn about and be a part of a theatrical production. So far, all their shows have taken place at our local community theater, the Nick Rodriguez community center theater and i'm here at their home to talk to them about the play we just heard and some of what the drama factory represents so welcome john thanks frank welcome lee hey frank and before we get into what the drama factory is as a community theater company and the kind of training ground you are for first-time actors and you know in seasoned actors let's talk about the version of the telltale heart we just listened to so whose idea was it and to write this adaption of one of Edgar Allan Poe's most famous and kind of gruesome tales, um, whose idea was this and what brought you to the idea that you all wanted to do a radio drama? Well, we first got the idea to do Telltale Heart as a one of two one-acts that we wrote for a for our Halloween show. We always like to do, you know, deep and dark stuff for around our Halloween performances. And uh, the first one act we did was uh, Guy de Maupassant's The Devil, followed by The Telltale Heart. It was Maupassant versus Edgar Allan Poe, uh, him being the more, you know, the more popular author. But uh, what's great about The Telltale Heart is uh, the characters are nameless. There's really nothing to it. You know, so it kind of fires the imagination, and this was just kind of one of the ideas that I got reading the story that that might be the case. So, the radio drama. This is the first time you know we were a collaboration a little bit in this. Uh, what did you think of the process and outcome? You know, sitting on a stage and recording instead of being live in front of an audience and recording because it's just kind of a production method that we did. So. 
You know, right. What do you think of this process and this, this outcome? This was absolutely fabulous for our actors. So usually we go through grueling, you know, six to eight week rehearsal time for the productions. But this time around, we were able to just have a, a small select cast and uh, you and the apprenticeship program came in and set everything up, set up from mi- some microphones. We gave our actors the scripts and they sat down and did a wonderful job. Uh, it kind of goes to what we trained them for. Um, they were just using their voices. They didn't have to do any kind of stage movement. And the voices were what we had to use to um, give the characters and kind of you know bring the radio audience in. So the fact that you guys from KPFA came over and set everything up um, was just an absolute bonus for them to to even try that because none of them had ever done that before. And it was fun working with uh, Kay Carter. It's fun to be directed. I'm usually, you know, directing the shows, but it was it was fun to be, you know, kind of pushed around a little bit. All right. Know, louder, yeah. this and that. Yeah, she was great. <laughs> she was great. Cool. Yeah. Shout out to Kay and the apprenticeship program. Yes. Well, um, what do you think about future radio drama production? Is it um, in your mind? Do you have ideas? Yeah, you know, a lot of the the scripts that uh, that we've done could translate well to to radio. I mean, there are some alterations that have to take place just because it's not it's not visual, but not not a whole lot, you know. So yeah, yeah, any anything that w- that we've written so far would do well, you know. All right, I'm looking forward to some more. Okay, well, um, theater can be a way of an artist critique sometimes of our society. We talked about this a little earlier just around the house here. <laughs> um, KPFA listeners may be familiar with our weekly show, TwitWit, which uses satire to confront issues within our own KPFA and Pacifica organizations. Uh, how do you two see theater in general as a medium to critique some of society's questionable issues and norms? Oh, I mean, that's what theater is all about. I mean, that's what that's what the Greeks were doing when they invented it. You know, I mean, it's all about satire, and that's how you bring, you know, whatever company's message to the people directly. You know, if you can get them in, right? <laughs> uh, we so one of our productions that we did a, a few years ago was directly related to the political stuff that was going on here at the time. Uh, we had a very unpopular city manager who was working on um, trying to do some redevelopment. And also the city was having an issue with um, the feral cats. And so there was, you know, big contentious city council meetings about this and, and people were at each other's throats and being in the fact that we live and work and do our theater here in downtown, um, we were kind of in the thick of it. So John wrote a production that reflected all of those goings on and the people that were in the know of what was going on absolutely loved the satire that was going on. Everybody else just enjoyed the play. The people that knew the politics behind it were dying. It was hilarious. Yeah, it was hilarious, including the the cats. (laughs) Yeah, musical cats. You can't get any better than musical cats. Come on. Yeah, it was cool. I enjoyed it. John, anything from you there? Are you good? No, it was, you know, uh, it was it was fun to do. You know, we based uh, the play off of, uh, 
James Joyce's one of his you know only children's books or the only children's with you know the Cat and the Devil, and uh, yeah, it was just a lot of fun. But there were you know there were messages between the lines if you were you know if you were tuned in you you got the satire, but it was something that everybody could enjoy. It was hilarious. I was cracking up. I was in the know, let's just say. And we are out here in Antioch, in case any of you are wondering where we are. Yes, East County, East Contra Costa County. Well, let's talk about the Drama Factory itself. You all come from a family of theater. John, your father, uh, is a director and producer of theater. It has been for many years. You both have acted in many productions, um, John and Lee yourself. And Lee, you handle a lot of the lighting, the sound in the Drama Factory productions. Even Max, your son, has um, been producing plays and acts. You know, he's in a band. Right, we're in third generation now, third generation. So tell us what led you to start your own theater company, uh, you guys, the, the Drama Factory. It was just something that needed to be done. I mean, the Arts Council in Antioch has folded. It's it's non-existent now, so there was no no outlet. And you know, theater is one of those things where everything comes together. You know, you have you have music, you have movement, you have art. You know, sets have to be painted, and uh, and sets have to be built. And it's just a, a great learning experience all the way around, especially in a small company where everybody has to you know muck in, as they say, take a hand and. And help out. So you're not just learning one thing. You know, participants learn a variety of stuff. In fact, uh, even technical. You know, they, now they know how to run a light board or soundboard, and it's just a, it's just a great educational tool all the way around. Yeah, way way out here in the sticks, there there isn't an awful lot of opportunity for people to really be um, entrenched in um, creative theatrical endeavors. There 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 are a lot of companies that do. Um, productions, uh, mostly, you know, singing and dancing, everybody getting up and having a real good time. But as far as the learning aspect of it, uh, we do a lot of vocal technique, we do stage movement. Uh, Like John said, there's, you know, stage set building, painting, lighting, sound. Um, it, It really is a basis for people getting together and being creative with the opportunity of furthering whatever it is you're going to do in life. So once you learn how to speak correctly, you can get up in front of any audience and, you know, give a presentation at your job. You can get out there and, you know, help in your community once you're used to the fact that getting out there and being in front of people isn't that scary. So we really try and and make it a, a point to embrace people whether or not they've ever had any experience, um, just to come out and, and really learn something, grow, participate, and create in a fashion that isn't usually had out in this area. And have fun, basically. I see it when I'm there that it, it looks fun. There's a lot going on. It's a lot of work. <laughs> that's true it's always a lot of work this show is a lot of fun doing full circle but it's also a lot of work too so yeah it's fun it's a lot of work it's exciting and it's very entertaining to be someone that comes from the audience side well we've been talking about you know what you do and how you do it but what about the people that want to participate um, do they have to have their acting chops up have experience in theater what do they do you know they just no no, not at all. In fact, you know, some people don't even know that they have it in them. 
And we found that a lot of times that are fantastic actors, almost like it was something that was already in them, fully developed, that just needed to be, you know, watered, you know, just kind of awakened. And there it is. You know, a lot of people, it's a struggle. And, you know, people spend, they work hard. They go to college to become theater majors. And some people, you know, just have it in them naturally. And, you know, it's one of those things that you never know about yourself until it's brought out. Yeah, we hold open auditions for every production that we do, and uh, it's come one, come all, as long as you are the minimum age, and you know each show has a minimum age, um, as long as you're of minimum age, you're, you're welcome to come in. You, sometimes people will come in, and it's their first production, and they get a, a large role, because like John said, it's already in them. Other people we have to bring along a little bit more and do some training and do some, you know, some exercises to get them to where um, they'll be able to be heard on stage or that they're comfortable facing the audience. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's come one, come all. And if you don't want to be on stage, there's always room for backstage people. There's a lot of stuff to do backstage also. And minimum age is more of a guideline than a rule. I mean, if you're good, if you're good, you're good. You're going to yeah. get yeah. <laughs> well, um, let's talk about how people get involved then. What do, where do people go online or how do people Absolutely. find out when's the next production, stuff like that? So we have, we're, we're on all the multiple media levels. Uh, we can start with the website, which is uh, dramafactory.org. Uh, all of the information for upcoming productions and things that are going on are on our website. Uh, it usually has the information of when auditions are what the productions are, um, what we've done in the past, what's coming up. Um, so it's really just informational. So that's dramafactory.org. Uh, we also have a Facebook page, which is the Drama Factory. We also have an Instagram, which is drama underscore factory. And we're also on Twitter at Drama Factory. So pretty much, you know, look up the Drama Factory and you'll see us. And that will give you all of the information. Uh, currently, we are gearing up for our next production, which will have auditions in uh, January. Our son, Max, is uh, producing and directing Peter Pan. So it is the original theatrical script. Um, it's going to be a big, fabulous, wonderful production. Auditions are going to be January 14th and 15th at 7 p.m., and that's at the Nick Rodriguez Theater in downtown Antioch, and that's 213 F Street. Uh, and all of the information is on the website. And then that's great. And all, for all you regular listeners that are out this way, East County, maybe Antioch area, we will have a link to all their uh, social media and the address and directions on our website, kpfaapprentice.org. I guess lastly, I would just ask, what would you say to folks that you know might be considering it but never done it you know to encourage them to like just give it a shot give it a shot you know just do it i mean and if it's not your thing we can put you to work backstage you know someone's so everybody has something that they can contribute to theater and you know that's the bottom line and usually you know we're just a bunch of creative misfits that find a home together and get out there and do things don't be afraid to do it it's work, but it's wonderful, and the realization of any kind of production is absolutely fabulous when it's all done. 
And I didn't ask before, but what's the kind of commitment of time if someone were actually to do it? What, how many hours a week are you practicing? Is it at night, during the day? It's pretty demanding, especially during tech week. Uh, yeah, a lot of people ask, and it's like, well, I have this also going on and this. It's like, well, you know, we're kind of going to need uh, <laughs> we're gonna We need, need you to all be here. your time. Right, right. Uh, basically, we rehearse. Now, now, not everyone has to be at, at every rehearsal, but the general schedule is rehearsals are three nights a week, usually Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. Uh, once we get closer to production, um, we basically have rehearsals from 6 to 10 for about a week and a half before the play actually opens. Um, one thing that does set us apart, and I forgot to mention this earlier, one thing that does set us apart from all of the other theater companies um, anywhere in the area uh, is that we do not charge a participation fee. Uh, we do not charge anyone to be associated with our theater company. All of our productions are run on donations and by audience participation. So, you know, you got you come see it, you pay to come see it. But we don't charge our actors to be in the play. We supply the costumes, we supply the training, we supply the scripts, everything. You don't pay a dime. Great. That's um I'm glad you said that. So um it's a great community uh organization, great community participation. Let me just say goodbye to you guys, John. Thank you for having us here at your house today. Oh, Lee, thank you. Lee, thank you for the same, for having us here at your home today. Thanks for coming, Frank. And thanks for uh, all the work that you do here out here in Antioch. Um, out of the good of your heart and the work of your muscles <laughs> to do all this theater work. <laughs> so it is. I, I, I really want to thank everyone for listening tonight also. Um, KPFA is really doing something great reaching out to the community like this. And I, and I hope we can work with you more because it's, it's really been a blast. It has. It's been fun doing the sound and helping you out. So I, we look forward to it. And it'd be a great for our students to learn how to do a production like this as well. All right, you guys. Good night. Good night. Thanks, Frank. All right, welcome back to Full Circle here at the Pacifica Network Mothership, KPFA. Again, that was John and Lee Ballesteros and myself discussing the community theater production company, The Drama Factory. For more information on how to connect with them, go to our website, kpfaapprenticeship.org. There you will find all the links to their contact information. And if the internet is not your thing, you can call The Drama Factory at 925 925- Six nine five four one two three. Again, that's nine two five six nine five four one two three. And a couple of final reminders. One, the First Voice Apprenticeship Program is taking applications for the forty-fifth group of apprentices to come into KPFA this spring. To download an application, go to kpfaapprentice.org, or you can call five one zero eight four eight. 6767 extension 235 and one can be mailed to you and two we are still reaching for our fundraising goal from this past fund drive and we have been getting closer if you are able to please head over to kpfa.org and make a year-end contribution to help us reach that goal All right, that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Check out kpfaapprentice.org after the show. All the important information will be there, including important links 
to topics discussed on the show tonight. Don't forget, Full Circle airs each Friday at 7 p.m. and is made possible by Miss M, our executive producer, myself, Freewill and Franklin, technical director, and Joy Moore, our production consultant. Again, I have been your host, Freewill and Franklin. A big shout out to Miss M over there on the controls. And thank you for joining us tonight on Full Circle. Stay tuned. La Onda Bajita is next. Peace.